It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. It's more than money. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Kai Harris. Kai, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thank you, Laban. I appreciate you having me on, mate. It's great to be here. What is, what is more than money? <laughs> it's, a, it's more than money. It was a, a podcast idea which came later after the uh, what I would call the uh, bugger it moment. I'm just going to do it. So towards the end of last year, there was I was on a podcast with regards to my industry, so financial planning industry. I was on another guy's podcast, Fraser Jack, and we're talking to him. And from there, I went, I really like this. I want to do more of this, whether it's interviewing people or being on them. So from there, I just started looking at well, how am I going to do a podcast? And everything I read and what I was getting reminded through by my coach and mentor was uh, – Basically, just step into it. Just don't go, just do it. Don't look for perfect. So I really spent not that much time on it. I bought a microphone. I worked out how to Zoom properly. This is before COVID, obviously, and now it's the norm. And then uh, my first guest or practice guest was my sister-in-law who's in counselling and trauma therapy, has been for 20 years. And I just went for it. And then it just kind of built from there. And by end of March this year, we have formally launched It's More Than Money, podcast and the aim for more than money is to show people that life is more than money so it's about our beliefs it's about recognizing that it's not our abilities that's holding that's holding us back it's our mindset and it's the way we think and approach the world it can be our limiting beliefs which are often programmed into us growing up not on purpose but it's just things we pick up along the way and broadly speaking we do live in a very limiting belief type society and, and culture so i wanted to get speakers on to our podcast who would share their story of how they've overcome any limiting beliefs, how they've overcome any hardship and really gone after what they want and succeeded to get what they want and realise success in their life that's in their version of success, not, okay, I've got a Ferrari and I've got a big house. It's actually more than money. It's more than material items. It's about mind, body and soul. So I hope that gives you a good roundup, mate, of what It's More Than Money is about. Well, I had the privilege of being a guest on your podcast, you which we'll link down below for people that are on YouTube, <laughs> and it'll be in the body of the yep. for the audio. Yep. And because you're a financial planner by trade, just to give people some context, I am a financial planner by trade. And uh, for me, looking back now on reflection in my career progression, I've really just kept pursuing better. Like I've always been looking for better. How can I serve others better? So way back years ago, getting started in the industry, it was all about product. What product can we put people in and we'll get it in there, get them in the products as quickly as possible? And I'm sitting there in front of you, Laban, for example, thinking, 
how can I say that this investment is the best suited for Laban for your needs, your goals, your objectives when I haven't compared it to anything else? So I started comparing and doing a lot more work in how can I just be of more value and and fast forward probably close to 20 years now, our big focus is on what beliefs are holding people back and they generally centre around monetary beliefs and then also their values. What do they truly value in life? What are their core values? And we then start creating goals that align with those values because if we set goals based on beliefs, often we find people are going after things that don't really mean that much for them. So we make sure it all lines up. Do you think there's a, a high importance on being really financially free yourself when you are in the industry of financial planning? Well, financial financially free for me is, is different for anybody. So we have, and I use this example with clients and bringing up that what you just said, financially free. If I say to someone, what does financial freedom look like for you? I'll sort of pre-case that by saying, it means different things to different people. There are people that are simply happy living in the trees and growing their own veggies and just being at one with nature and that's all they want and that's all they ever want. And there's other people that aspire to a lot more. They want to have a bigger impact on the world. Like my wife, for example, went to Africa on a volunteering trip towards the end of last year, around November last year, and she worked, did two weeks' work in the orphanages over there, very, very young children and trying to – and the ladies uh, – ladies business program was teaching women in Africa, in Tanzania, how to be more self-sufficient. So if they were great at crafting blankets, how do they then turn that craft into some money so then they can buy the food and whatever else they need? So if you just rewind that point, Kelly being able to go and have an impact on the world, she needs money to pay for that flight and pay for that trip. So that sense of financial freedom for Kelly is about let's, how can I have an impact on third world countries? So it all means different things for different people. What our role is, is to sit down with people and help them identify exactly what does financial freedom look like for them. And then we help them align their money with that goal or that objective that we can set that is aligned to those values. And what we often find is that people are going after things that don't really fulfill them and they're chasing, I'll be happy when, and they never actually get there because they've never sat and looked at what they value most in life. I heard a really interesting stat when I interviewed uh, another guest, Robin Banks, yeah, who's a motivational speaker from South Africa, and he said that if you have food in your belly, a roof over your head, and and have a vehicle to drive, you are you are in a better position than ninety two percent of the rest of the population. 92%, which I thought was staggering, right? And I know there's lots of stats thrown out there, but that yeah. sounds to me like a pretty reasonable, you know, that, uh, a car. That is a really cool stat. That is, you know, to put some numbers and measurements on, I think it makes, for me anyway, anyone listening potentially too, it creates a lot more clarity around how lucky or how fortunate we actually are in the position we're in in, in Australia in particular. Well, it, it, the thing that was really interesting about that stat that I found is that my my goals, which which are evolving, and if yeah. you compare them to where they are now versus five years ago, they're totally different, right? Yeah, have become ginormous in comparison. And if you are someone who is, you know, let's say they're living in some war torn part of Africa, and they don't have access to 
shelter or running water, like their goals and their their financial freedom might look pretty different to ours, you know. Yeah. And and I suppose my next question to you, Kai, is what are the what are the universal laws of wealth creation that you're able to share? Oh, geez. Jeez, yeah, this is something that um, myself personally, I've been working on for quite a long time and I haven't quite mastered them either. But I tell you what, I find them so intriguing and almost uh, addictive to find out how this actually all works. Now, there's a lot of people across the globe that are in this space of, I'll call it law of attraction, which is is sort of tying into, and forgive me for anyone who might be listening who is an expert in this field, I might be possibly articulating everything a little bit wrong, but law of attraction, the universe looking after you, the universe has your back, the universe is taking care of you. Uh, It's all under that same umbrella of how do we actually find abundance, prosperity, and true fulfillment. And we touched on this just before we went to air and started recording that the love for ourselves and that feeling of abundance and prosperity is not going to come from the car we have in the garage, the career milestone that we're going to hit, or how much money we've got in the bank. What actually comes with abundance is that belief that we are already abundant, irrespective of the bank balance or irrespective of our net worth. And culturally, as a society, and this is, I wish I did have a stat on it, but when you're looking globally, we are wired pretty much through whether it be media, movies, social media, whatever it is, we're cultured to believe that if I just keep working harder, if the harder I work, the better off I will be. But it's all outside of us. So that universal law of abundance comes from within. And once we master that within ourselves, then the actual exterior abundance starts to flow. And that is actually something I have started to experience. And that all, I guess, boils down to How do we perceive the world? What is our perspective on what's going on for us? So you might have heard the saying of uh, it's not how what happens to us, it's why life happens for us. And it's how we respond to what happens in life that creates a good or a bad life. So there's only two emotions we can have, positive or negative. And we can attach any emotion we feel onto any particular event that we're faced with. So what I'm getting to there as far as universal laws go It's all from within us. So if we master our own mindset, if we become our own superhero, good podcast I hear, if we become (laughs) our own superhero of our own mindset and focus on how we want to feel versus focusing on what's happening to us, this is bad, this is rough, I'm sick of this shit, I can't handle this, I can't handle that, focus on what we want and it's freaking hard. I've been through it for almost 10 years now. It's freaking hard to keep focused on what you want and how you want to feel then the abundance and feeling of prosperity will come and the actual material side of that will flow. Now, that's my summary of universal laws. Is a, Oh, man, that's hours and hours of conversation, mate. So we can dig into that a bit more <laughs> as far as what I've learned anyway. Well, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. And I'll, I'll pull you up on something there, Kai, that, mm. that I think that our audience um, may or may not have picked up on. I, I'd, I'd assume most won't. And it's not, it's not through any fault of your own. The, the language that we use, you, you know, you say it's freaking hard, right? Yeah. This, this the, the language that we use is so incredibly powerful. And, and in doing research for the interview with Robin Banks, who was, who was mentored by the very uh, famous Jim Rohn, who wrote, who wrote uh, Mind Power 
the very yes. famous mind power book, which is referenced, you know, a lot of his quotes referenced everywhere. He, the importance of telling yourself in a, in reframing from a positive point of view, because you, you approach, you're basically upgrading the, the software in your brain yeah. and, and, your 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 brain or your subconscious doesn't distinguish. It, it just it does what it's told, right? And you and the beautiful thing about this law of attraction stuff is that you apparently you don't need to believe it necessarily. You just need to use that language. And and don't worry, Kai, I'm guilty of it too from time to time. <laughs> but I've eliminated. I reckon I, I reckon I've improved about ninety nine percent. The, uh, over the last five years, like I've eliminated ninety nine percent of a lot of negative uh, self talk and limiting self beliefs, and and it's no coincidence that my life has dramatically improved. Yeah. And I and I even look back at some stand up comedy that I did. I entered in the Raw Comedy Festival, um, you know, up and up on a stage in front of hundred and fifty people, yeah. and just using what I thought was funny, and it was just self deprecating humor. And I cringe when I look back. Uh, and yeah. people might say, oh, I just relax. But, but no, I just now, I just don't talk about myself that way. And it's really interesting catching people in public if I get an opportunity to and, I, and I'm invited in to have a conversation with them. I'll say, hey, if you're open to it, maybe reframe it like this. Yeah. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm just keen to know your thoughts on that. Well, reframing, Laban, 100%. That is imperative to changing that mindset and mastering your own mindset. So if you're able to reframe, that means you've probably gone past the first step, which is awareness. So awareness is the very, very first step. You need to be aware of the little leprechaun, little demon, little devil, or whatever it is that's sitting on your shoulder doing that self-deprecating type speech to you. So, for example, if uh, you are looking to start a business, you go, I really love to start a business, and then listen to the voice that comes in after that oh, you can't do it, you're, you're not smart enough, you don't have enough money, you don't really have the skills to run your own business, oh, how's it going to work? And next minute you're on this rabbit warren or you're in this rabbit warren of negative self-talk and you talk yourself out of it straight away. So first and foremost, awareness. Become aware of how you're putting yourself down and then you can reframe. So 100%, if you can reframe in what I would refer to, this was, I don't know who pioneered it, but where I've learned it from is the likes of Abraham Hicks and Gabriel Bernstein. Once you're reframing, to make it simple is just go for the next best feeling. So sometimes as human beings, we're looking for a big result really quick and we're impatient. We just want it quickly. So what we might do is that, for example, if I've talked myself out of starting a business, <clears throat> excuse me, if I talk myself out of starting a business, I would straight away, if I'm aware of my negative self-talk, I'll go, nah, that's it. I'm going to go for it. and I've had enough. So I've gone from almost zero to superhero in one <coughs> in one bound. What's that Superman saying? Leaps and bounds or something? Bound. You can jump over a building in a single, <clears throat> single leap or something, which yeah, is that's weird because he flies. <laughs> yeah, that's that one. Exactly. <laughs> I think there's a so few holes in the marble. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's too much of a leap, just plain and simple. It is too much of a leap. So the next best feeling you can find is it might be something simple on why don't I just start writing the idea of what my business looks like? Just start on the idea of what it looks like. And then the way I visualize it and the way I help clients a lot is you start, it's like you're building a snowball. 
You start with this little bit of a snowball and you roll it down the hill. And as you keep rolling it and keep pushing it down, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and it's going to gain momentum. Once you're able to reframe it, the next part is to, as I said, find that next, sort of get that next best feeling and you keep following that feeling. And people also talk about finding your purpose in life. To me, that's, you know, jumping over buildings in a a single bound. Like that is just too monumental and too big. So the road to that is focus on the next best feeling, what makes you feel good. Someone might say, well, I love fishing. I don't want to go to work. I just want to go fishing. But that fishing part might be you might like the water. You might like the freedom of being able to do what you want. You might simply love fishing and you love bringing food back to the table and supplying the marketplace with fish. So you got to look in what it is, the why. Why do I love it? So what do I love? What makes me feel good? Why do I love it? So all those contests, I'll break it down and recap. If you're going to reframe, first you have to be aware of what you have to reframe. And then when you're reframing, don't worry about being Superman and have to try and take buildings in a single bound. Just reframe by finding the next best feeling. And once you find the next best feeling, you'll start that snowball of momentum and you just continue on with it. So awareness, number one, two, reframe in the next best feeling. Yeah, it's brilliant, Kyna. And uh, the brain... According to Jim Rohn's teachings and the stuff that Robin was talking about, it is loves repetition and and yes. it's like the 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 timelines. Um, he he got access to a lady who was a um, in her early days got a job as a stockbroker and was earning a couple of thousand bucks a month. And she saw that people were earning thirty forty grand a month, and she was like, you know, surely I can. I can earn ten thousand a month, you know, like that—that's a reasonable thing, you know. They got more experience. I mean, she started telling herself, you know, I am, and she was talking in the present moment, and then before before too long, um, oh no, she said, I I earn at least ten thousand dollars a month, and she kept this this mantra up, and she just said it day after day after day after day, and she said uh, in a in a conversation later on uh, that she was glad that she said at least ten thousand because she ended up earning. Way more than that, way more than that. And and Robin did the same thing with him. And he, he I think, doubled and then quadrupled and then like quintupled his earnings over the course of uh, what was a couple of years because whenever he reset the goal, it took him three to four to five months to start sort of manifesting that improvement. So had he maybe made a much larger uh goal maybe he would have got there faster i don't know i remember grant cardone uh you either love him or you hate grant cardone yeah yeah but he the only thing that he talks about regretting now is that he didn't set his goals big enough yeah and he's not the only person to say that so there's something in that um i'm still working on it now but i i was so happy to go through some old notes uh with some work that i did with a life coach Long, long before I met my now fiance, and and yeah. going back, and just the the affirmational stuff was just spot on. Yeah, I will find I am in the relationship of my dreams with a woman who X Y Z, you know, like, and I'm just yeah. reading this back to myself, going, "Holy fuck, this is awesome!" Yeah, yep. and that is that law of attraction. And as potentially woo woo as that may sound for people who are listening. We are, there's more to us as human beings than just the shell that we run around in. So we have a soul, we have a spirit and all those sorts of things that, and depending on what you dig into, like if 
uh, three years now in particular, I've done a lot of meditative type therapy and not in the sense of counseling and trauma therapy, but meditative therapy is, it's unbelievable what comes up. It's absolutely unbelievable what you're actually carrying around and you do not realize. So part of the shift. Such as? Such as? Oh, mate, the, now, when I first started, I went in thinking, like when I first met with this lady and I've always had, I guess, a, an interest. There's, there's more to life than just the human beings and the human race and this constant cycle, this constant loop of going fast, trying to achieve and climb a ladder, whatever that ladder is. So when I went to this lady, I was kind of uh, a little, not despair sounds exaggerated, but it's the first word that comes to mind. I was a bit in despair and go, okay, I've got to change some shit. It's just not working for me. I feel like shit. I have good days but my feeling like shitty days are more than my good days. I'm frustrated. I'm not getting anywhere. What's happening? Anyway, in talking to this lady, one of the first things that come up, totally unexpected, and I was totally blindsided by, was my biological father who was killed in a car accident when I was two years and eight months old. And that's one of the first things that come up for me. And at the end of the session, I realized that I was actually grieving the loss of my father and I was dumbfounded by it, absolutely dumbfounded by it. And for 45 minutes after the session, I actually couldn't console myself. I was trying to get up and leave and I just couldn't go. And this lady said, it's okay, you can just stay there. It's all right, just you know, let it, let it come out type thing. So what I'm getting to there is that the grief I was holding onto with my father, it has actually snowballed over the three years and I've worked through the process of grieving his loss. And I've worked through the process of what I thought to be, I didn't know him. And I said it to this lady. I said, I didn't even know him. She goes, of course you did. You were there. You were one, you were two, you were three. He was talking to you. He was cuddling you. He was, but culturally, and this is what I was touching on a little bit before around our beliefs, culturally, we're led to believe that anything pre sort of three years of age, we don't remember it. It's forgotten. But it's not. It actually has an imprint or a footprint on our soul. So through these sessions with this lady over over the years, there's different things that have come up. One was the grief, grieving his loss. The other one was a sense of responsibility that I took on once he'd actually died. So two years and eight months old, I actually have, I went back and uh, in the short end of the story, it's almost like as an adult, you go back and see your childlike self. This is one of the moments for me. I went back and saw my childlike self, two years, eight months old, sitting on the floor after the knock on the door my mother had from the police saying, your husband's been in an accident. My older brother was standing there with my mother. And I remember I I actually went back to my mother after this and I said, is this what the the unit we lived in at that time, is this what it looked like? And I described the colour of the carpet, the colour of the door, the layout of the kitchen, the laundry, the whole lot. And she said, yeah, that's exactly it. She said, how did you remember that? I said, well, when I explain the story that I'm explaining now. Anyway, at that point, I remember feeling the upheaval that my mother and my brother were having after that knock on the door. And I had this angst that come up inside me and I'm thinking, I've got to fix this. I've got to, one, never upset the apple cart. I've always got to toe the line. I've always got to make sure I'm not making anyone upset. I've always got to make sure I'm doing what's expected of me and then some. So from there forward, my whole life, I've always, I guess, Placated or rolled over and showed my belly to anyone who says, this is what you've got to do. Okay, I'll do it. I've kind of been a yes man in a way. On the flip side, I've always had a direction. I've always known what I wanted, but I've been conflicted by always doing what others expected of me. 
So that was a rule I created myself at two years and eight months old after that knock on the door. So that's just one of countless, countless things have come up for me that ultimately limited to me, limited me in my life and what I believed I was actually capable of. So I've believed my role was to serve others in the sense that if there's someone above me in the hierarchy, I do what they ask me to do because I'll toe the line, I'll placate, I'll make sure I'm doing what's asked of me, I'll do the right thing. So that was the rule, just boom, two years, eight months old, this is a rule. And we all do it. I've had many, many rules that I've now uncovered and let go of to now be in a spot which you've touched on is what is it that we actually believe and what is it that these benchmarks or limits we set ourselves? Now, you've touched it with Robin Banks. He set himself a limit or that other lady was saying at least 10 grand a month. I've been through that myself. I didn't realize I had a ceiling of half a million dollars a year and that's just been sitting there like, like a cap. So you've, you do actually have to dream big and the affirmations do help. You've touched on the affirmations. They do help. You might not feel it in the first place, but it is kind of a stuff it, just go for it type mentality. I'm going to keep telling myself this until I believe it. Now, to add to what you're saying, what does actually have a bigger, bigger, bigger impact is if you do feel it to be true. So that's what I was saying before around uh, just looking for the next best feeling. Instead of sitting there getting the shits one day and going, excuse me, fuck this, I'm going to be a multimillionaire, I'm going to have my own business, let's go. But you're starting with nothing. Like that's a leaping leaping tall buildings in one single bound. It's huge. So, yes, set the goal, but it's the minute actions. It's that sort of micromanaging your own thinking, the voice inside your head, and the next best feeling. So if you can find an affirmation that makes you feel good, roll with it. And then that will develop momentum to find two more affirmations, three more affirmations, five more affirmations. And a great way to start is practicing gratitude every day. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the effects of gratitude, but it works a treat. Gratitude is the best <laughs> attitude. I'm it all is. over that shit. <laughs> it absolutely I, is. I don't do it all the <clears> time, uh, but when I do do it, it works really well because those, those positive and negative thoughts that you, that you can only have, you can't have them simultaneously. So if you're feeling good, like that negative whatever can't be in there. And and just going back to that story about your father, Kai, you, you know, you deliver that with a real confidence and you deliver it in a way that indicates to me that you've really healed from that because oh, 100%, yeah. th- that is, you know, like, and I'm, people grow up and they experience all kinds of traumatic events. What you've described from my understanding of how children respond to trauma, especially at that age, and anyone that thinks that kids don't understand or remember anything before they're three are actual retards. And, <laughs> and like the, the coping mechanism that you developed is you can go one or two ways typically. You can either regress and you become totally dependent on your guardian, so you become mollycoddled and you never yep. grow and develop. Very common with uh, any kind of abuse or, you know, like death in the family. Yep. Or you can go the other way and become this this martyr and take yeah. on all the responsibility and you never get your own needs met. So you yeah. are putting other people's needs first. And then you never get the fulfillment that you that you're that you're hoping to to yeah. you know, find. And I was the peacemaker in the family. Yeah, uh, for a long time, I was a middle child, the peacemaker, yeah. always trying to reconnect. I was middle child too. 
Yeah, I think we've spoken about this uh, offline yep. a while back. But um, now the importance of putting my own needs first has allowed me to grow and develop uh, and be a much more effective individual, I reckon. Well, I know. I know. So I'm yeah, yeah. guessing it's the same with you. Yeah, 100%. And it's something, again, culturally, it's a taboo topic to be selfish. And whenever you're called selfish or even I've been guilty of referring to someone as selfish, it's really done in a negative tone. But on the flip side, I've been taught also that, uh, you know, especially as a parent, for example, if you don't look after yourself, then you're not going to be any good or you're not going to be your very best version of yourself for your children. And that started to, I guess, resonate with me at some point in time. And then as I've evolved and as I've grown and worked on more things in my mind, body and soul, the more I've realized that selfishness is actually a great thing. Now, selfish in the sense of the ego, not a good thing. But selfish in the sense of you are healed, you are feeling great about yourself, you love yourself, you love where you're going, you love the person that you are. Once you actually master that and you become your own superhero of how you love yourself and how you actually feel about yourself, then that's when you are at your very best to give more to those around you. Like you just touched on, if you're giving so much of yourself to everyone else before you've actually healed or before you filled your own cup up, then you're actually going to become exhausted. You will actually end up running out of puff, running out of steam, and you'll feel drained. And often what we find too, if we're continually putting that out into the world that will just help everyone, then it's probably going to be the case that you're not going to get anyone back helping you because you're that's all you're putting out there is I just want to help people, I want to help people, I want to help people. That's fine. But what you have to actually consider is that you need to be aware of what you're actually putting out there as well as putting into yourself. Is that your conscious conscience calling? <laughs> Got you on mute there, Kai. Can you edit that out? Sorry. Yeah, mate. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not broadcast live or anything. I don't know who the fuck that would be. Do you anyway. want to go check it? No, I don't. <laughs> now that's boundary setting. <clears throat> I've done that heaps, mate. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry about it. On today. Because I went to the office today and there was no car parks at all. And this is why it was one reason why we're moving office. So, so anyway. you're at home. You're at home at the moment. Yeah, set up at home, and then I thought, okay, well, we all good. Everything's locked up and done. So you take a note of the minutes. Yeah, I think it's an hour twelve. It's fine, um, mate. My editing guy will sort this out if I give him instruction. He's awesome. Don't stress. Cool. Um, <clears throat> So, yeah, the belief side, how do you want to kick this back off? I can just start rambling again. Um, so just trying to think what we were focused on. Uh, I'll, I'll start it again with another question, all right? Okay. Uh, one, 12 to one fourteen. I'll do... Uh, in ten in ten seconds, one fourteen twenty five. So we're talking about three, beliefs. Three, so we're talking about three, two, one. Here we go. So, 
Okay, so where are you getting a lot of this information from, Kyle? Like, what, what's some great reading that you've done recently? Mate, I've, uh, to me, no stone left unturned. My focus has been in and around the, the law of attraction type material. So I want to be clear on this too. With the, the law of attraction, it's not just about uh, manifesting, for example, instantaneous wads of cash. And a lot of people, for example, again, a societal norm or cultural norm might be law of attraction means you can just manifest a new Ferrari in your driveway. You can manifest any anything you want immediately. But one of the biggest things I've actually taken out of the law of attraction type philosophies and theories and what people write about or talk about is just simply your approach to life and how you think about life. So to me, there's two ways you can approach life. One, you can approach it in a negative light with a negative perspective. And a lot of things you see are not working for me. Oh, that's not that great. Yeah, yeah, I did okay, but you don't really celebrate the win the way you really should. Or you can have it in a positive light. So everything you see offers an opportunity. So meeting with you a few weeks back through our podcast, it was a great opportunity to chat with you and hear about you, your wisdom, and what does becoming your own superhero really mean? So there's opportunities in everything. And I could sit back, for example, and judge you and judge the way that you look at life and the way you approach it and things that you've done, or I can be open to your point of view. So we have that choice all the time. And to me, in light of the topic of your podcast, or the title of the title of your podcast, becoming your own superhero is masking your own thoughts. Rather than being a prisoner or a victim of all the thoughts that have been instilled in us by parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles, schools, whatever it was that impacted us most growing up, step the fuck out of that and start creating your own model of thinking. So Abraham, Abraham Hicks is one. There's been um, uh, Jim Rohn, uh, Anthony Robbins along the way. Uh, there's been a lot of sort of YouTube-type clips and websites from what you might refer to as no-name-type people just looking for that positive reinforcement. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's there's so much abundance available. Like, and and this is one of the things that struck me as well. You know, talking about Jim Rohn, uh, one of the stories that Robin shared again was when he was broke, living in British Columbia, living in a forest somewhere, like yeah. living off the land, and he yeah. he all of a sudden like he was eating grapes, and he's like, man, I don't just have one grape. Like I don't just have two grapes. I don't just have three grapes. I got like a whole bunch of grapes. And then he's like, you know, I don't just don't have one piece of wood for the fire. I've got like, you know, two. I've got like three. Like I've got I've got such an abundance. Like he and he became hyper aware of this uh, the language and and the abundance of all the the grains of sand at the you know in in the beside the river or wherever it was right. And and then then this triggered this amazing explosion of. Uh, abundance and he fast forwards five years to booking out the presidential suite in a hotel overlooking Sydney Harbour Bridge and the Opera House where the Beatles used to um, stay when they were touring back in the 60s or 70s and he was like he booked it out for a month and you know I don't know what the presidential suite costs you know around uh, is it Potts Point or wherever I think that, that suburb or around that neck of the woods like he just said, like, I just had so much abundance. It was just ridiculous. And he was, you know, that must have been where Ringo sat or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. And that was, that was in a period of five years, uh, simply by, by saying that. And, and it's funny, Kai, even saying the word abundance 
in that conversation sent like a warm feeling through me. It's fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're living in a, in a matrix, like a simulation type of environment. Like where the, what, whatever your religious beliefs are, whatever, like I'm not religious in any way. I'm very spiritual. But I yeah, think yeah. if we are in some kind of simulation and the simulation rewards this kind of behavior, why not use it? Use it to your own advantage. Oh, 100%. And actually, one of the people I have listened to or read a, uh, their work on is Dr. Bruce Lipton. And just to dovetail exactly what you're talking about, what I see and what I've learned and what I read and and all those sorts of things and what I learned by by experience and what I've gone back and I guess sorted out, even not on purpose, like stuff that much stuff's just come up I didn't even expect. But Dr. Bruce Lipton, his work of 20 or 30 years in the research into the brain and how we develop, particularly from the last trimester of birth up to about seven years of age, and they talk about what beta waves we're sitting in at those ages, so where how our brain's ticking over. And the easiest way, and I'm going to bastardize what he's talking about and no disrespect to Bruce, he's a <laughs> smart guy, but uh, basically what I, what I get out of it is our brain's almost operating on a level like it's in a, a sleep-like state. And the state that we're in as a sort of last trimester of birth to age seven is we're just downloading information all the time. We're just a massive sponge. We're soaking up everything that's happening around us. And one of the things that Dr. Bruce Lipton said that really stood out for me is that, and I'm going to, this is very uh, a short end of what Dr. Bruce Lipton was saying. On birth, when a baby is born, the first thing that they're doing is that they're actually scanning the room with their eyes. They're scanning the room. They're trying to find mum's eyes. And once they find mum's eyes, particularly with breastfeeding, they find mum's eyes, they lock on. And what they're locking onto there is the energy or the vibe that mum has at that point. So if mum is an anxious mum or a worried mum, an angry mum or a tense mum, baby's going to pick that up. And that's going to flow through. Like the example I gave of my father, that's going to flow through in life because we are effectively a blank canvas when we're born. Everything we learn in that first seven years comes from parents in our environment. So we end up being a product of our environment. Now, what I believe in what I've, as a result of what I've learned is that, just again to dovetail what you were touching on, we end up disconnected with our spiritual being. And again, I'm, I'm not religious either, like yourself. But what I do believe is there's a lot more to us than just the physical being that we are in this life. The spiritual side comes through and the spiritual side we end up disconnected from because as we go through life, we're taught to approach life in a certain way. And you said it earlier about repeating the thoughts. Repeated thoughts become our beliefs. So if we're continually hearing, seeing or experiencing not enough, there isn't enough, money doesn't grow on trees, no, you can't do that, don't do that. Here's a smack for doing that. No, 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 Johnny. No, don't do that. We're constantly hearing no, 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 no. So our brain, our conscious thought ends up taking over and that's what we end up believing is the way of life. Yeah. What I've experienced is you reconnect with what's inside and it's already abundance. What you're touching on, it's already there. So we don't have to go find it. We just actually have to tune into it because we've lost that. We, we've decided not to tune into it, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's a direct correlation, Kai, with how how healthy, or physically healthy and mentally healthy and spiritually healthy that I was able to get myself 
particularly by cutting out, you know, when I quit drinking and drugs and, you know, escapism behavior, gambling and whatever else, sex, that I became way more in tune with this side of me. Yeah. Because I had fleeting moments of clarity, you know, in my formative years. Yeah. Uh, I remember even maybe being a young man, maybe being in my early teens, I always knew that I was destined for massive things for much, much greater things that I was than I was achieving when I was in my mid thirties and I had that had that epiphanous moment. And now I'm I've become a lot more in tune to my own stuff. And in turn, it's allowed me to become a lot more in tune with with most other people as well. Uh hundred percent agree. If you learn, if you get in tune with yourself, and that's what also we were saying a bit earlier, that the better version of yourself that you become the better you can be for others around you. And that's, that element of selfishness is so important, but it's a taboo topic. Don't be selfish. Oh, you selfish bastard. Well, this sort of thing. I think selfish is the wrong word. I think it is. like setting boundaries. There was a guy that posted something on LinkedIn just the other day. Yeah. And he was talking about um, it was from the female lead, which is not oh, yeah. a page that I follow, but they basically – they force me to read their posts because it just comes up on my feed. So I'm like, all right, you're going to make me read your feeds? I'm going to contribute then. And this guy was uh, in the UAE somewhere and he was talking about how impossible it was to cut toxic people out of your life. And I just said something along the lines of grow some balls and make the brave decision to like either have a, a, a calm, direct conversation with the person that you don't want in your life or just simply phase them out. Yeah, and then he he responded really negatively, and then I was like STFU, like shut the fuck up. <laughs> and he sent me an email saying, "Oh, don't talk to me." Like, and I'm like, if you're gonna ask for for people's advice uh, and tell publicly people that what you're what you're saying is fact, when in fact yeah. it's the opposite, yeah, expect there to be some backlash, yeah. And he's like, you know, you're a motivational speaker. It's not very motivating. And I'm like, I motivated you to send me an in-mail over this. So hopefully that person goes away and has a good think about maybe it's not that hard to cut a really toxic family member out of your life because guess what? I've done it. Yeah. And it's not. I'm not saying it's something that I'm super-duper happy about doing, but the, the alternate for me is not viable. No, I understand what you're saying. And interesting point around... Uh, when people take offense to what you say. So, again, the belief we attach to what you said, it could be different for everyone. So if you said to me, Kai, grow some balls, step up and do it, I would perceive that to go, you know what, you're fucking right. I've just really just got to go for it. His interpretation was I'm weak, I'm not man enough, I can't do it. So whatever message he's got running around in his head from whatever cause that may have been from 10, 20, 30 years ago, that's now how he's filtering your message. So, again, that's perspective. We have a choice how we reframe what we just saw. I have a choice about how I interpret what you told me. I could have looked at that and gone, yeah, fuck, Laban, you're a bit of an asshole there. You could have maybe toned that down. But straight away, it's like, no, I can see what you were trying to do. You give him a big shove and go, dude, get out there and just do it. You'll find that it works. You'll find that it'll happen. That's your delivery, but he's attached a negative emotion to it so it's it's really really a 
I can't keep making that point enough, I suppose, in, in line again with the title of your your podcast. Be your own superhero. So your own superhero of your own mind, the way you think and the way you approach life, the way you feel about things that are happening in your life. We actually, probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned is I actually have the power about how I think and feel. I'm not a victim of someone around me. I'm not a victim of the world. I'm not a victim of circumstances. I get to choose how I feel at any given moment. And I think that's probably one of the most empowering points about becoming your own superhero. I get to feel how I want to feel no matter what's happening around me. The sooner we get that grasp of that, the better off we're all going to be. And we're not going to be a victim. We're not going to be living in fear. We're not going to be scared. We're not going to be worried that that other country over there is going to blow us up. If everyone just stepped into themselves and started trusting and loving within themselves and then backing themselves that they get to feel however they want, they're not a victim of anyone around us, we're going to be much better for it. I'm still mastering that, by the way, too. There's days that it gets away from me. <laughs> yeah, cl- clearly with me too, right? And and maybe maybe my approach could have been a little little more subtle, but I think seeing the people around him placate and say and and affirming his message, I was just like, you know what? I don't know you, mate. I don't know you, but I'm going to give you a gift, and you may not like it, <laughs> and but Mary. Fucking Christmas. Feels like a bag of dog shit on the doorstep, but I'm yeah. gonna get <laughs> and um I I don't think what I said initially was offensive. I just think it was direct. And I think, you know, the person didn't have their full name, they they didn't have a photograph either. And and that indicates to me that they are they are fearful. Yeah. Um and and I'm I'm not giving them shit for it. Like no. Uh, we live. We a lot of us live in fear. I've, I've lived in fear. Like it's just, it's that is the real pandemic. Personally, living it is. in fear and self worth. Yep, it is, and and that's one thing that I reckon I've become uh, a lot more confident and a lot more comfortable with putting myself out there, Kai. Because one of the things that happened last year was out of necessity for my my former business. I had to call. Sea level. I had to start trying to get hold of CEOs to 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 win business. Yeah. And after a while of of getting hold of these these people on the phone, I realised very quickly that they were just like me. They were just human beings. And if I was able to add value in what I was doing, I'd get a great outcome. And mm. what that taught me was that when I created the podcast and I started reaching out to idols of mine, and yeah. you know people that are the best in the world at what they do, I realized that they, again, were just just like me. I had a, I had value to add in, into their life in some way, shape, or yeah. form. Yeah. And it's now put me in a position where, you know, I've, I've been reaching out to former prime ministers to, yeah, yeah. To, and I've been in, you know, through email uh, contact. I haven't yeah, been yeah. able to get anyone on the podcast yet. Um, but I was emailing uh, the four, first female prime minister of New Zealand, um, yeah. Dame Jenny Shipley, right? And I'm like, hey, Jenny, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, would you come on the podcast? You got a great message. And and um, and now I, you know, I don't think there'd be anyone in the world that would intimidate me from a, uh, a celebrity point of view. I, yeah. I, real, I think I'd be pretty cool in almost every, every situation. I don't know. Yeah. Is there anyone that you'd be overwhelmed by? Are you a oh, fanboy of anyone in particular? Is Starstruck? 
the starship. <laughs> but you know what? Funny you say that because I was just running through this last week, maybe the week before, in the lady that I see was a bit of a mentor with that meditative type therapy. We were talking about different things. And one of the things that come up for me is just I love to talk to people in those what you might call the stars, for example. So being starstruck. But like you've touched on, I think you've told me you've um, the people you've spoken to, to me it'll be it's not in awe of oh, I, I can't talk and I'm lost for words and, oh, my God, can you sign my shirt and all that sort of stuff. What it is is for me is that they've really gone out. It could be Dave Grohl, for example, the Foo Fighters. Now, I love the music, but when I've read his bio, I've thought to myself, he's come from nothing. And he has, he's from all accounts of Mick Wall, who was the author of his bio, Mick Waller said that he's one of, one of, if not, I think he said he might have been the hardest working person in the music industry. This is what he said about Dave Grohl. So to me, what I want to spend a day with Dave Grohl about is what makes him tick. And back to our podcast theme is it's more than money. It's actually about mindset. It's not about you inherited the money. It's not about you got a leg up or you knew someone who got you in there and you were shithouse, but then you became good because they helped you. What is it that makes Dave Grohl tick to make him one of the best musicians in the world? So spending the day with him is what excites me is to find out what these people tick. Kelly Slater, things I've heard about him in surfing, because in case anyone's wondering why Laban brought that up, I love surfing. Kelly Slater, for example, what's kept him there? I think he's one of the longest surfing competitors in world surfing and kept him at the top level. Like he isn't just turning up and coming 10th all the time. He's still winning. So what is it that in his mindset that keeps him going? What does he tell himself? What's the voice in his head saying? And again, back to our theory of uh, theme of our podcast, it's not our abilities that hold us back. It's our mindset. It's our beliefs that we attach ourselves to. That's what, that's what stuffs us up ultimately. So all these people in the world are starstruck. I've reached out to Jeremy Spencer, who was a drummer for Five Finger Death Punch. For some reason, I've just got an admiration for um, drummers, especially ones that do highly complicated fast type music like five finger death punch (laughs) and just cool like just cool to hang out with these people what makes them tick how do they get to these superhero levels in their chosen industries just things like that mate so i've got i've got a big list (laughs) maybe i could introduce you to mark shulman who came on pink's drummer yep let's do it uh he he's a he's a motivational speaker and an author as well and right and he's in his 50s now He's he's toured with like you like there's a, a band sheet about that long. That yeah, he's right. toured Foreigner and Cheryl Crow and like yeah, you know cool. all these uh, extraordinary bands and and um, creative the- people like incredibly creative people and maybe that's part of it. As I've learned more about myself, is that the what the inner what the inner critic does to us or what prevents us from actually realizing we have. So my creative flair, so to speak, no, I'm not doing paintings. But when we recognize what's creative in us, it might be writing a book, it might be writing a blog, it's, it's serving others in some way, it's actually really fulfilling. So music I've found more and more and more that I've found really fulfilling, like there's a good tune, there's a happy tune, this feels nice, this feels good. And one of the things that stuck with me recently, I went to the U2 concert and just love the music and the energy and the vibe and all that sort of stuff. But what happened was that the, the camera went, so the big screen behind you 2 they're on stage and the massive big screen behind them. What they brought up on the screen was the camera that was sitting behind the drummer. 
and the, it was looking out over the whole crowd and there was, I don't know, 40,000 people there. And at that moment I'm watching it and the camera's behind the drummer and he's looking out to this crowd and everyone's doing jumping and the music's going. I thought that would have to be the most awesome feeling ever to be on that stage having that sort of impact engagement from people, that feel-good impact. Like that's freaking powerful. So I think that's part of the music side and wanted to talk to musos. Yeah. Music is the world language. Well, it's funny. I went to the same concert, but I saw it on, online and it was even better than the real thing. <laughs> Isn't it? No, I, <laughs> I, right there, I saw them live a few years ago <laughs> and Kanye West opened for them, which I thought was a strange combination. It was, yeah. Um, down here in Melbourne, but uh, I'm a big U2 fan and, and I totally, totally empathise. And I think this is the the why the direction of becoming a uh, an international motivational speaker has such grand appeal because I can't sing. I know it's a limiting <laughs> belief. I can hold a note, but like, is anyone going to want to pay a hundred bucks to listen to me sing? Not just yet. Not just yet. <laughs> I um I got drumming lessons uh, a few years ago after being told by the the sales assistant at the music shop that I had natural ability. Walked oh. out of there with an electric drum kit, and turns out he was lying to me. <laughs> and um. And I bought no, a yeah, hook, line, and sinker, and Hant gifted it to my brother-in-law for their wedding um, present. But um, yeah. I, I love that feeling of being able to influence, and I think I think most people would. I think once you become yeah. comfortable with it, um, creating a positive impact on people's lives, which is exactly what musicians get to do, man. So I, yeah, oh, I, I awesome. love where you're coming from with that. And it's an it's an impact I think sometimes that people don't feel worthy of actually providing like i think uh might have been just before we went to air uh something some sort of comment was made of just you yourself you are enough you're a unique being and you've got so much to offer it was kind of the comment that come up and a lot of people do lack that i think it's once you start realizing how valuable you are and what you might call even in the smaller sense and i don't necessarily like using that language but you know for example walking to work uh, walk through the lobby and there might be an older person who's having trouble getting into their car or getting some bags out of the car. Would you like some help? Like that's having a meaningful impact. Like that that older person is going to feel good that someone's recognised them, acknowledged them to need some help and they're worthy of some help and another another human being's interaction because we're wired for a sense of belonging. We need to be part of. And if one human being connects with another, whether it be to help, support, love, care for, laugh, whatever it might be, we need it. We do need that. So if anything, the message from there is for people like you don't have to be on the world stage singing for you too. You can contribute in very, very small and different ways and it's making sure that you recognise you're worthwhile giving that support and it's going to be valuable. You're going to be valuable in helping someone. Yeah, the um, the quote for people that are curious was that you are talking to you one in a 400 million sperm miracle. Yeah. And yeah. your uniqueness is your gift to the world. Yeah. And the moment that you, you can embrace that and take that on, and I can credit Les Brown for that comment, oh, world-famous motivational okay. speaker, yeah. Les Brown, and it's true. It's it's true. Like it's your uniqueness that brings that that value to the world, and you've just got to let it shine, you know. Yeah. 
You think of a little light through. of mine. I'm going <laughs> to let it shine. You got me in the singing mood now. I do impressions. I do impressions. <laughs> that could be another gig for you, mate. But if people are interested in improving their voice, there's a wonderful book you can read by Roger Love called yeah, Set okay. Your Voice Free. And Roger Love has trained uh, some of the, the world's best singers and also speakers as well. He worked with Tony Robbins and uh, yeah, a bunch right. of other actors for, for critical roles. And I think he might have taught Joaquin Phoenix how to sing for Walk the oh. Line. Oh, right. Gotcha. Okay. The Johnny Cash. Yeah. No, I believe we are, to an extent, I believe we're capable of anything, but I also believe, and not, not to dismiss that we're not capable of everything, anything we want, but I believe we're here for a certain purpose. And finding that purpose, as I said, it's not like, you know, leaping tall buildings in a single bound. It takes time. Some people just latch onto it quickly. They just boom. They know exactly what it is. For others, it's a little bit more of a slow burn. And to find out what you actually love doing, your purpose, you know, for example, <laughs> even like a tongue-in-cheek type thing of question, have I missed my calling as a drummer? Because I remember way back when I was going to concerts at 17, I was kind of fixated on the drummer, not the lead singer. It was just what, what's the drummer doing? I don't know why, but I'll just put it down to the fact I've missed my calling. I don't know. But I might go into a music shop too, mate, and they tell me I'm a natural. <laughs> I'll see what happens. <laughs> I think the rule is to tell everyone they're a natural. And then, like the law of numbers, like the law of attraction will just pay off, right? Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, we have we can go down a road of what we think we love and that's what comes back to why. I think we need to ask the questions of ourselves. Why? Why do I love that? What's the good feeling I'm getting out of it? Is it the energy I'm just picking up from the music, for example, or is there something bigger there? Am I going to be a music reporter? And I'm going to interview drummers and music and bands and things. Who knows? But all this podcasting we're doing, does that lead me to an interview type role? I don't know. But again, Ryan, back, I don't know, 40 minutes or so, 30 minutes, is if you find that good feeling emotion or that good feeling thought, run with it because it's going to lead you down a path of more good feelings. And that's what I think is important to recognise here. Finding, finding what you love what you truly are uh, appointed on this planet to do, in my humble opinion, is the greatest feeling ever. Because if yeah. you're a lazy son of a bitch like <laughs> I am, you never work another day in your life. Well, there's a law of attraction there that's somewhere along the lines of, you know, it, it's easy. It just comes to you. And I have started to really master that. And I, I believe it's along the lines of what you're saying is if you're doing what you love, then, yes, it does come easy. It's actually not work under the stigma of how we perceive work as a culture. Work is the grind and, ah, shit, I've got to work, can't wait for the weekend. What are, what's that song? Monday, yeah, I've got Sunday. Sunday. for the weekend. Yeah, and the other one, which is uh, Monday, I've got Sunday on my mind or something. The Cure? Yeah. Months, Monday, I'm in love or Sunday, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, yeah. Saturday, then Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, stay in bed. That guy looked like he was really unhappy. <laughs> Didn't he? That's because he was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was doing okay. I think they sold a few records. The Cure. I yeah, like they it. did. Just a couple. Um, it's, it's, um, it, it's funny, Kai. Just to cut you off. Sorry. Uh, we what? actually started a band uh, when we were younger called the the Prevention. Oh, the, <laughs> we we were going to be we were going to be better than the Cure. Yeah. How did that go? Just a little tip. We didn't actually create the band. It's a stupid joke. I heard. <laughs> oh, just, 
Did I just miss that one? You need that boom boom thing. That's boom, all right. Boom, That's all right. Going. <laughs> it's the it's the delay of Zoom. It's yeah, the delay of Zoom. We'll work that one out later. Kai, uh, I reckon this is a good place to wrap this up. We've right. uh, we've covered some really impressive content here, and um, I know you're a busy man. Uh, creating wealth for many people, <laughs> beautiful state of Queensland and Australia. Yep. Is there anything that you'd like to to finish on before we wrap this bad boy up? Mate, uh, look, the first thought that come to mind, and I, I do struggle with finite words of wisdom. I do struggle with that. To me, there's more of a story to us than just one quote or one gimmick, as I might call it. First thing that comes to mind is just back yourself, reframe, be aware, reframe, and, and take the you know the next best feeling, and back yourself. Follow that feeling and back yourself because this does sound exaggerated, I guess, and it does emulate what's been said a billion times over. We do have one life, and this is something I've struggled with. In I'll be happy when we do have one life. So back yourself, get out there, and the way to do it is to be aware of your negative thinking, reframe it to the next best feeling, and. Keep pushing that to snowball because it will get better and better for sure. You must check out. It's the More Than Money podcast with Kai and Kelly Harris. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kai <laughs> Harris. Mr. Laven Ditchburn, thank you very much for being on Become Your Own Superhero. Appreciate it, mate. Loved it. Thank you. It's Laven Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training where I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.